This edition of How To Be A CEO is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ES Audio. We all know who Deborah Meaden is, the entrepreneur, the investor, a long-serving dragon in the den and environmental campaigner. I have never seen so many questions around sustainability, environmentally friendly, planetary impact. When a customer is making a choice across a broad range of suppliers or retailers, then it is the thing that can make the difference. Deborah's involvement with climate causes goes back to her college days, and these days it's become a more important part of her business and her life than ever. When I was talking about it, when I was at college, it was something that was going to happen in 100 years' time, way beyond my time, in my lifetime. But now we realise that it's going much faster than we thought, so we don't have the luxury of just talking about it. We have to act on it. I'm David Marsden from The Evening Standard. Deborah's appearing at our SME Expo, which is being held at the XL London on April 25th and 26th. Also there will be former Dragon's Den entrant Levi Roots and entrepreneurs including Charlie Mullins, Trini Woodall and biscuitier Harriet Hastings, who's also appeared on this show. For more info on how to register for free tickets, go to smexpo.co.uk. Deborah's going to be talking scaling a business with the environment in mind. But before we get on to that, I want to know, how green is she in her home life? (laughs) Um, Well, no one's one's ever green enough, obviously, but I've actually been worried about the environment since I was, well, I did a thesis on um, when I went to college in Brighton. So that's sort of 40 years ago, longer. uh, And that was on climate change. So I've always been worried about it. I've always paid attention to it when I've made decisions, but certainly more recently, it's right up there. When I filter what I'm going to do, what decisions I'm going to make in life, how we live our life, um, green and sustainability is a big filter. So so I, I do as much as I can and it's never quite enough. So were you like a prototype Greta Thunberg then, Deborah? <laughs> well, I'd like to think so, but uh, but no, I mean, I was, you know, I was, A, I was older than Greta and I, and I didn't quite get the world's attention as Greta has. Um, but, but it, you know, they were, we were worried about it then. I mean, there was already a Centre for Sustainability and Alternative Energy in Wales. This isn't something that's just suddenly appeared. I think what's happened is it has suddenly become urgent because it is here. You know, when I was talking about it, when I was at college, it was something that was going to happen in 100 years' time, way beyond my time, my lifetime. But now we realise that it's going much faster than we thought. So we don't have the luxury of just talking about it. We have to act on it. 
So when you did go into business, was that always a priority for you, that the companies that you were working with, the companies you now invest in, had some kind of environmental credentials? Has that always been there? I don't think so in the early days, to be honest. It wasn't a selection criterion which business to go into. And actually, it isn't always necessarily now. What it is, is when I carry out those businesses, or in the early days, it was actually, what can I do within this business? You know, I've never worked in the oil industry. I probably would never, well, I wouldn't have worked in the oil industry. There are certainly businesses I wouldn't have actually gone into. Um, but, But I think it was more, okay, what difference can I make once I'm in this business? Now, now I'm a little bit more clear about my selection process. And I am invested in some businesses that are very early on their journey in terms of sustainability. But I've got to believe that there is a will and there's a way to improve the way that that the business does business to reduce its planetary impact. If I can believe that, then I can invest. Yeah, because there must be, particularly when you're at the very start of your startup journey, there must be quite a strong temptation at times to go, you know, I can get this product from here, which is environmentally friendly, but the cost is this, but I can get something from here, which is perhaps less environmentally friendly, but the bottom line's better. It must be really tempting to kind of put your profit ahead of environment, especially at an early stage? Well, you're right. I mean, you don't have a business if you don't create a profit. So you have constantly got to make those, those. you know, you've got to weigh up those decisions, every single decision you take. But as long as sustainability is on that list of weights, you know, is it, is it, can I do this? Is it a little bit more expensive? And actually, will that mean my customer will love me more because I'm doing it? So I think for me, the most important thing is that it's actually on that evaluation process. Obviously, as the business grows bigger, it's got a little bit more of a safety net. Um, then it can start making much many more decisions with its heart. It can say, well, actually, you know, how much is enough profit? If I drop 5% off my profit, doesn't make any difference if I'm making a great impact. And the other thing I would say is that actually the cost of sustainability is coming down as it's getting much greater adoption as as it's becoming more important then actually you know things that were pretty niche and usually niche means it costs more um start becoming mainstream and as production ramps up to actually take care of that mainstream market it does mean that often the costs are coming down and we are left with a little bit of a legacy of thinking that sustainability equals more expensive in some instances it still does but in many instances that gap is really really closing as interesting as you mentioned, you know, customer reaction there, is there a kind of, I don't know whether it's a hidden value, but is there a value to having an environmentally strong company? Do people gravitate towards those more? Is that something you've been seeing? Oh, I, I have never seen so many questions around sustainability, environmentally friendly, planetary impact. Now, it doesn't mean to say that the customer is is always going to buy from that particular company because of those credentials. But actually, when a customer is making a choice across a broad range of suppliers or retailers, then it is the thing that can make the difference. And it's becoming increasingly so. And I also think the customers are very tuned to knowing whether their supplier or their retailer, whether they mean it or whether they're just it's just lip service. So the people who get in early have got it at the heart of their business, you know, think about it all day, every day, not just sort of skim along the top. I think in the long run, they are definitely going to win out. And even before you get to a customer, 
Are investors like yourselves, but other people that you work with, are they specifically looking for environmental credentials? Is it easier to get investment if you have a good environmental record? Well, I think you've certainly got to be able to tell your environmental story. I mean, ESG has come right to the forefront in terms of investment. And a lot of, you know, it depends who you're raising from. If you're if you're raising from angels, then you're probably going to find some who really care about it. You're going to find the people who don't care about it. If you're actually raising funds from, you know, either investment houses, from funders, even from the banks, they are beginning to ask the questions on, you know, actually, what is your policy and what planetary impact are you having? So I, I think it is becoming increasingly important. And also, you can't get away with with just not being honest. People have got a very good nose for greenwashing now. I wanted to ask you specifically about that, because how big a problem is greenwashing itself? I, I know loads of companies that can talk about their ESG credentials. Those are oil companies that, that have B core status, for example. Is greenwashing a major thing or is that a minor issue that only some companies are uh, having to deal with? Well, I think it's interesting to try and understand what greenwashing actually means. Um, Greenwashing is definitely an issue. But just because a company hasn't got everything right doesn't mean to say that the thing it is doing is greenwashing, you know, because nobody is perfect. Everybody is imperfect on the way to perfection. So just saying, well, actually, I know you're doing that, but look, you're not doing this. You know, that's not helpful. That leads to something called green hushing, which means that companies are really scared about talking about what they're doing because, you know, everybody will point to the thing that they're not doing. And surely it's better to encourage the companies that are actually on their journey, who are getting better, provided they are, you know, genuinely doing that. That That's a good thing. So, so I think the whole greenwashing thing, we need to be careful that we don't tarnish everybody that isn't perfect, because none of us are. Nobody has got it right. There won't be a perfect for hundreds of years because we're we're on this, you know, hate to say it, the word journey. And we shouldn't tarnish everybody that hasn't got it right as a greenwasher. Let's do some ads. And while they're on, pop over to smexpo.co.uk and take a look at the lineup for this year's event. Tickets are free. And as well as speakers like Deborah, there's going to be workshops and networking events, all the things you need to help your business succeed. And this show will be there too. So come and say hi. smexpo.co.uk. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. 
and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Is there enough support for, you know, particularly smaller companies that, that want to, 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 to operate sustainably? Um, is there enough support for, from areas like government for them to, to enable that to happen in a bigger scale? No, that's a really, oh, such, that is the question. I don't think there is, um, because the truth of the matter is, particularly SME, particularly the smaller end of the scale, the business is pretty battered at the moment. There's an awful lot going on in the business world. And that means when there's a lot of stuff spinning around, things that are not essential to happen today tend to get put off. Now, I would argue that tackling sustainability is essential today, but I also understand that it takes time. Um, and it's in very much in its early stages. So I do think that some support around certainly how a, a business can measure its planetary impact to give it a baseline and then support around transitioning to a more sustainable and greener business, I think is a really, really important part that the government can play um, because it's a little bit difficult for smaller businesses don't have a huge amount of resources, really don't have an awful lot of time, have an awful lot being thrown at them at the moment. You know, it's a bit difficult for them to get the clarity and the time to be able to do some of the stuff that they need to do if they're genuinely going to build a more sustainable business. Is there something that Britain itself should be leading the way in? Because internationally, as a country, we always talk about our environmental credentials. We held the COP26. Um, we've done all of these things. Are we, I guess, putting our money where our mouth is globally? So I think the really sad thing is I, I think we were ahead of the field. You know, I think that we we, we did lead the world. Um, a lot of innovation, technical innovation, then a lot of will and pretty hefty targets um, we set ourselves the truth of the matter is we have definitely veered off of that and it seems to have dropped down the agenda. I don't know if I heard the last time our government talk properly about sustainability. And that is a great shame because I genuinely see it as a massive opportunity. I've got a podcast called The Big Green Money Show and uh, one of our recent uh, episodes was on green jobs. And we had a you know, manufacturer from huge wind turbines that are made in the UK. And, you know, the opportunity is incredible. But we've got to support it. You know, everything needs a little bit of support at the beginning. And we need to stake our claim out. And we need to say that is what we're going to do. And we need, need to use the brilliant brains to, to bring forward the innovation that I know we've got in us, you know, that, that can tackle this. So we've lost ground and we need to quickly regain that ground and get ahead of that ground if we want to own that space. And I think it's a fantastic, post-Brexit, I think it's a fantastic space to own. Is that government responsibility, though, or is that private industry responsibility? Can't private industry itself bring all of these people together without necessarily involving governments and bureaucracies and all those kinds of things? Well, uh, there's a lot of truth in that, because actually business can often um, move faster than governments. But it, it does require a partnership. Such a huge shift requires a partnership. How do you... How do you transition an area that has traditionally been producing, you know, used to be coal, maybe it's steel, uh, maybe it's a certain type of farming. How do you transition that to a new style of business? You know, so there's that little bit in the in the middle that that certainly um, 
you know, private private enterprises up for, but it does need support, not just financial support, structural support. You know, it might be around planning. It might require funding. It might be around taxation systems that, you know, allows it to spend money up front, knowing full well it's not actually going to get its any gains for the next 20 years. So so I think that definitely needs to be a part the government needs to be a little bit more fleet of foot on. At the moment, I feel business is ahead of government. You know, it's a little bit fleeter. It knows very much how important it is. Uh, but government needs to catch up because if that's the vision we're going to have for this country, and I think it's a fantastic vision this country would do really well in and we would all feel really good about, then the government needs to present business with the structure and the landscape that it can work in. Just thinking about someone who's just starting out with their startup maybe all they've done is written down a written down the company name and a nice little logo right now but they want to they really want to make sure that they have green credentials and they operate in an environmentally sustainable way what are the first steps for them what are the kind of strategies they're going to have to look at to do that well the very first step is before they get their logo and their name actually write down on that bit of paper their reason to be and what values they hold very dear. And every decision you make in your company, check it against that list because life has a way of getting incredibly busy. And before you know it, you've moved away from the thing that you, you know, A, the reason you did something and what it was and why your customers love you for it. So be really clear, what is our reason to be? How important is sustainability to me? And actually get your list of priorities down and then just check everything against that. You won't be able to achieve everything. But if you set out by saying that's what we want to be, then it gives you a roadmap because without a roadmap, we all get lost. Do you yourself ever sort of reflect back and look back and go, did I stick to my roadmap and ask yourself that question? Do you challenge yourself in that way? I do. I, I Absolutely. You know, have we achieved what we want to achieve? The answer in most cases is is no, but that's because the roadmap is the ultimate. You know, it's the this is this is what we want to be. And until you get there, you're not that. And, and, and there are compromising decisions to make because sometimes the most environmentally friendly thing to do isn't actually good for the community. You know, so you've got to you've got to list what's the most important things to you and also accept that there are sometimes conflicting decisions, which is why people kind of feel like, well, yeah, but you're doing that, but you're not doing that, are you? But not every decision is pure, you know, and sometimes it might be a choice between do I want to harm the planet or do I want to help, you know, do I want it to be fair trade? Do I want to import things because I'm helping poor farmers in Kenya? Or do I want to do it locally because it'll benefit my community? You know, so so there are a lot of conflicting decisions. But if you don't have clarity of purpose, you will always, you'll never end up really knowing who you are and what you care about. Um, and and just finally, Deborah, just for my own interest, I'd I kind of, you know, you've got this great career and this reputation uh, as an investor. When was the last time you were able to leave the front door of your house and get anywhere without someone pitching something to you? <laughs> That's the best question. Oh, years, <laughs> years. Do you know? No, actually, that's not true. So I get approached an awful lot, a lot. I've got to tell you now, I have never invested in anybody who's come up to me on the street. Um, and said, I've got a really good idea. So I just need to make that very clear right now. Um, but I don't mind, you know, listen, people are thinking, you know, even if it's a crazy idea. I, I just, that's what I love about this country. You know, people think about stuff. And, and if they've come to talk to me about it, then they've spotted a random opportunity. Good on them. 
That was Deborah Meadham. For more interviews, news and analysis, go to standard.co.uk or pick up a copy of the Evening Standard newspaper. How to be a CEO is back on Monday. You know, if you hit your follow button right now, we'll be downloaded straight away and you'll never miss an episode. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.